pray you've come to receive a blessing because I tell you what, I have chewed on one all week long and I pray that you're going to be blessed by it as well. Um, you know, occasionally things happen that result from very rare phenomenon. This was true many years ago when that tsunami hit Indonesia. Certain things had to come together in order for that to happen. It was true when Hurricane Katrina hit the Gulf Coast back in 2005. Uh, the weather fronts came together. The winds were right. The precipitation was right. All those things came together, and it came from a rare phenomenon. Uh, it was true last January when we got nearly a foot of snow. Uh, and it pretty much put us in a freeze, so to speak, and, and paralyzed us for almost a whole week. Uh, and it was true last week uh, that certain things had to come together, that conditions had to be right when that massive earthquake hit Japan and caused that tsunami that has killed literally thousands of people. And that is so far, thousands of people. The point I want to make through all this is that occasionally these rare phenomena occur in nature when the conditions are right. The same is true, I believe, in the spiritual realm. When the conditions are right, we can witness a God event. I want to ask you, do you want to be around? Do you want to be present to witness a God event? If you do, say amen. Today we're going to look at a God event. We're going to look at a God event that occurred back in biblical days. And we're going to see in the book of Acts that the conditions were right. The conditions were right for a God event to occur. We're going to see in Acts chapter 1 verse 15 that we're told that there was just about 120 disciples of Jesus Christ. And then in Acts 2.41, we're told that 3,000 disciples were added in one single day. Don't know about you, but I think that's a God event, don't you? I want to be a part of a God event. I want to see God show up and show out right here at Bethel Baptist Church. And I believe that he'll be inclined to do that. When the conditions are right. See, when this God event occurred in the book of Acts, the conditions were right. Just like the conditions had to be right when the hurricane hit. Just like the conditions had to be right when the snow hit, when the earthquake hit. Conditions got to be right if we want revival to hit our community. So let's see these conditions that the Bible speaks about that contributed to this God event we find in the book of Acts. I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 1, and I'm going to begin in verse 4, and where the Word of God says, And being assembled together with them, he, talking about Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Say wait but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, Jesus said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put under his own authority. 
But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go up into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the, from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples altogether. The number of the names were about 120. And said, Men and brethren, this scripture has been fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we want to prepare ourselves for a God event. We want to be conditioned to do something that only you can do. Father, we know that in large part it depends upon us as individuals. It also depends on us as a church family and what we are willing to do. Say do, church members. Do. Lord, what we are willing to do for the glory of God. So Lord, I pray that in Jesus' name, Lord, you would prepare us, condition us for this God event that we'd like for you to do. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. As we look at these conditions that contributed to this God event, let's be very careful about something. Let's be very careful that we don't create a name-it-and-claim-it theology. Some people do that. Some people will name it and claim it, and that implies that if I do certain things, then God will do certain things. That's not true. We can't put God in a box. God is going to do what God wants to do. Can I get an amen? Amen. God's going to do what he wants to do, and we can't predict what God is going to do. So let us be careful that we don't name it and claim it, rather that we grow and that we learn from the conditions that create a God event. Let's don't put God in a box. So let's look at these conditions this morning. The first condition for the God event that was recorded here in the book of Acts is that Jesus was at work in their midst. Jesus was at work in verse 4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart. Jesus was at work in the midst of this God event. He was there. These young disciples, they were confused. These young disciples were disheartened. They didn't have a clue what they were going to do. They were a broken group of people. And then all of a sudden, Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up in their midst. I once read that the world throws broken things away, but God never uses us until we're broken. 
The world will throw a broken thing away. But God never uses us until we're broken. Jesus showed up in the midst of this broken group of followers. He took them. He shaped them into a team of apostles that turned the world upside down. But it would only happen when they were broken. It only happened when they were broken. And Jesus shows up when you and I are broken. When you have reached your wit's end, when you have come to the bottom, Jesus shows up. I want to ask you this morning, are you broken? Are you broken? Are you filled with doubts? This whole God thing, this whole Jesus thing, does it cause you concern? Are you doubting that? Are you confused about it? Or are you looking for answers about it? You see, often when things look the darkest, that's when Jesus shows up. He did it for these confused disciples, and he'll do it for you. There's a story in John chapter 20 about a failed fishing trip where Jesus showed up. They, the disciples had fished all night and they came back in empty. They were tired. They were discouraged. They were hungry because they had no fish. And there Jesus was standing on the shore. And he asked them, hey boys, got any fish? And they said, nope. Ain't got no fish. And so he instructed them to go back out. To go back out into the water and throw out their nets again. And they obeyed, and they found that their nets were bulging with fish. Can I tell you that life is often like that? That we come and our nets are empty. We just don't have anything. We're broken. We're discouraged. We're short on answers. We're long on discouragement. And then Jesus shows up. I want to tell you this morning that no matter how broken you are, no matter how doubtful you are this morning, no matter how discouraged you may be, Jesus is still there. And he's there and wants to bless you. My point is this. We are broken over issues that happen in our life, but Jesus is always faithful to show up when the conditions are right. Sometimes it takes you and I being broken. Sometimes it takes you and I coming to our wit's end. Sometimes it takes you and I being at the bottom of the pit. But Jesus is there. But also, I want you to know that when you're broken, when you're broken not only about you, because life ain't all about you, amen? Amen? Life ain't all about you, but when you're truly broken over the lives of other people, Jesus shows up. When you're truly broken over the lives of people that don't know Jesus, when you're truly broken over the lives of people who don't have a relationship with God, who are damned to be going to hell, who don't have forgiveness for their sins, if you are truly broken for people who don't know heaven is their eternal home, do you know that Jesus can show up there too? Jesus show up. A God event can occur when you're broken for the lives of other people. I've mentioned before that there are countless people within five miles of this church who are just as I just described. Hopeless, disillusioned, discouraged, and they're homeless because they don't have a home in heaven. 
Are you broken for them? Do you care? Do you care about them? The bottom line is, is if we want to experience a God event here at Bethel, then we must allow Jesus to be at work, just like he was here. We must allow Jesus to be at work in our midst. We have to be broken for the lives of other people. And I believe that if we are truly faithful to obey Jesus' command to tell others about him, he will be at work here. He will be at work and the conditions will be right for a God-sized event. So that first condition that we see for a God event is that Jesus has got to be at work. Can I ask you this morning, is Jesus at work through your life? Have you, have you submitted to him in such a way to where he's living his life through you? Are other people hearing his words through you? Is your attitude displaying the attitude of Christ? Are your acts of kindness demonstrating what Jesus would do if he were here in the body? When you pray, are you praying for other people in a way that Jesus would be praying to his Father for them? Is Jesus at work in you? Can I tell you that won't happen until you become broken for other people? For other people. Say other people. For other people. You see, life is not just all about you. It's not just all about me. So that's the first condition that we see there in the book of Acts. But there's a second condition, a second condition necessary for a God event. And that is that the disciples waited on God. They waited. Notice there in verse 4, not only being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but also to wait. Say wait. To wait for the promise of the Father. How many of you find waiting on God wonderful? Raise your hand. Do you really? Well, it makes me feel just totally sinful because I don't like waiting, whether it's on God or anybody else. I find it hard to wait on God. In fact, so many times I found myself way ahead of God. <laughs> I don't wait on a woman either. <laughs> but that's partially because God stepped in to do that, Amen. But anyway, I believe that it can be incredibly difficult to wait on God. Consider these examples. Abraham. Abraham had to wait. For 75 years he lived and God told him that he would be the father of the nations. But after 11 years of waiting, Abraham took matters into his own hands and slept with his maidservant Hagar and had his own son named Ishmael. Now, Ishmael was not the, the father of the nations that, that uh, Abraham hoped he would be. And so God forced Abraham to wait another 14 years before Isaac was born. Abraham had to wait. But also Moses learned to wait. After murdering a man, he spent 40 years in the wilderness learning to wait on God. But he still led God's people eventually into the promised land, but he had to wait. King David learned to wait. After that stunning victory over the giant Goliath, he found himself on the lamb, running away from King Saul for 13 years. God had told him that he was going to be the king. But for 13 years he had to wait. But in that wilderness, God transformed him into a man after his own heart. But what had to happen first? He had to wait. That's right. 
Now that word wait that we see here in verse, verse 4, but to wait for the promise of the Father, that means to wait and keep on waiting. Amen? To wait and keep on waiting. And I know waiting can seem so hard, but the Bible tells us that waiting on God is very wise. In fact, in Psalm 27, verse 14, the word says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalm 37, 7 tells us to rest in the Lord and wait patiently on him. The Bible also says that my soul waits silently for him, for God alone, for my expectation is from God. Psalm 130 says, I wait for the Lord, for in his word is where I find my hope. Waiting on the Lord. And one of my personal favorites is found in Isaiah chapter 40 where the word says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Why? Because they waited. Waited. You know, I read about a man who was walking through a supermarket and he had a baby. And that baby was screaming at the top of his lungs. And that woman uh, was looking that, uh, at this uh, man with that screaming baby and noticed that uh, every few minutes he would say, keep calm, Albert, keep calm, Albert. And so finally, admiring his patience and his diligence to wait, uh, as that child screamed at the top of his lungs, the woman said, sir, I got to commend you for your patience with baby Albert. And he said, the baby's not named Albert, I'm Albert. Be calm, Albert. Be calm. Whatever it takes, amen, to wait and to be patient, we need to do. So, friends, I want to tell you to experience a God event. We're not going to try to do it ourselves. We're going to wait. Wait on God. Wait patiently on the Lord. So, I believe the first two conditions for a God-sized event uh, is Jesus working in our midst, that is, working through you, working through your lives, working through your brokenness for others, say others, for other people, that's right, but also the fact that the disciples waited on God. Now, there is a third condition that I see necessary for a significant God-sized event, and that is that the disciples were serious about prayer. They were serious about prayer. Look in verse 14. These all continued with one accord in... Let me reread that. These continued all with one accord in... Prayer. prayer. They were serious about prayer. Now I want to draw your attention to three aspects of prayer. One, notice they were unified in their prayers. That means everybody was praying. They were unified in their prayers. Friend, when you join a local body of believers, you are to become one with that group. We're all one body together with different purposes. And we're also one with the whole body of Christ as a whole. Now, God has given us the local body of believers to build our faith. That's why you're here. That's why God created the church, to grow that relationship with him and to build our faith in him. So we're to be one. We're to be praying together, laughing together, crying together, serving together, even hurting together. Everything's together in one accord. 
And friend, as, as you study the book of Acts, you see that this concept of oneness just permeates the entire book. It's incredible that the first church experienced this kind of unity. Uh, in uh, chapter 1, verse 14, we see that they continued in one accord in in prayer and supplication. In chapter 2, verse 1, they were all in one accord in one place. In 2.44, all who believed were together. They were unified. That's the body of Christ. Christ is the head. We are the body. We are to be doing those things that Jesus would be doing if he would hear, were here in the body. Now, have you ever thought about what it would be like if the members of our physical bodies acted like members of the church sometimes. Let me give you some examples. What if your heart said, you know, I'm stuck in a rut. For the last 47 years, more for some of you, for the last 47 years, all I do is beat and beat. Boom, 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 boom. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. It's time for somebody else to step up and do this job. Okay, feet, it's up to you. You pump the blood. What if your lungs said this? You know, we're so underappreciated. All the other organs, they don't do their jobs very well without us. The brain, he thinks he's pretty big stuff, but let's see him do without some oxygen for a while and see what he does. What if the liver said, why do I get all the dirty work? You think it's fun making bile all the time? I've been in this body for 47 years now, and you think anybody's ever asked me to make any decisions, to pump any blood, to perform any functions that other people see? I'm tired of it. I wonder why I even bother. What if your appendix said, I love watching the rest of those organs work? Day after day, hour after hour, they work themselves to death. I'm just along for the ride. Why, can, why should I contribute when I can just sit here and get all the same nutrients and all the same oxygen as they do? Why should I get involved? I said all that to say this. God will move in our midst when everyone, say everyone, when everyone is doing their part. We can expect the conditions to be right for a God-sized event when everyone is doing their part. And not only was this first church of 120 believers unified in their prayers, but they also persevered in their prayers. In 114, we're told that these believers continued in prayer. In 242, we're told that they continued steadfastly in prayer. See, these disciples persevered. Even when times got tough, they hung in there. And they persevered. These believers faced all kind of trials. They faced all kind of persecution. They faced all kind of hardship. But they remained steadfast to pray. To pray, thanking God and trusting God no matter what. God is the source. They persevered in their prayers. So for God to come about in a God-sized event, we too must pray. And we must persevere in our prayers. 
But not only were they unified, not only did they persevere, but they also had a hunger for God. They hungered for God. These disciples were starved for a word from God. They had been through this emotional roller coaster. Think about it. They put all their hopes in Jesus, and then he went off and died on a cross. Then, three days later, he rose from the grave, and they got all excited again. And then here, he begins to talk about going away again. They were confused, and they were looking for answers. And so they went to this upper room, and they began to pray. You see, they got real hungry. They got real hungry for some answers, some answers from God. I want to ask you, have you ever gotten to the point where you're desperate for some answers? Have you ever gotten to the point where you have cried out for God to give you some answers? You ever cried out to God for his direction? Ever been to that point? Ever been to the point where nothing else mattered but hearing from God? Can I tell you that for a significant God-sized event to occur, one of the conditions is, is you, say you, You. say me. You have to be in the right place. You have to be seeking answers from God. You have to have a hunger to hear from God. So not only were they unified in their prayers, did they persevere in their prayers, man, they had an incredible hunger to hear from God. So that final condition, I guess, is what we're waiting for. The final condition for a significant God-sized event is that the Holy Spirit was in charge. Look in verse 8. Jesus says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see, all through the Gospels, all through these testimonies about Jesus' life, Jesus had made the scope of our mission clear. But here, he restates it again in words that even a hard head like me can understand. He says, you shall be witnesses to me. We're to tell others about him. We're to tell other people that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, came to die for all men and women, boys and girls, and that through faith in him, they have a place in heaven waiting for them. But notice, they weren't only to to tell the local folks. They weren't only to tell the people in the church. They weren't only to tell the people in the Bethel area. They were to tell the people even to the end of the earth. But before they could do that, They had to receive some power. And the word of God says, you shall receive power. The power of the Holy Spirit. The power of God working through you. You see, friends, you can be talented, highly talented. You can be intensively trained. You can be deeply experienced in the things of God. But without the Spirit's power, you will be ineffective. You won't be able to do anything in the name of Jesus. But on the other hand, a person may be uneducated, 
unattractive, untalented, inexperienced. Yet through the power of God, through the Holy Spirit of God, the world can be turned on its head. The world will turn out to hear you. So I guess we've got to wonder, what will it take? What will it take for a significant God-sized event to happen in our church? Well, I believe that when you're fully surrendered to God, completely submitted to Him, not only will the Holy Spirit grant you power, but He will also grant you passion. Passion to tell others the good news that Jesus saves. As we move into our grow period, our growing season, you're going to have an opportunity to submit to God and allow Him to use you, to use your voice, to use your concern, to use your burden. To change a life and to draw someone to Jesus Christ. You see, the very same Holy Spirit that was offered to these 120 believers is the same Holy Spirit that is offered to you and works through you. The same Holy Spirit that worked changing 120 believers to 3,120 believers is the same Holy Spirit that works at Bethel Baptist Church. But so many times we're guilty of serving in our own power, in our own thoughts, in our own concepts. Many times we're guilty of striving and using the world's power and the world's plans. You know what he said? He just said, tell people about me. Just tell people about me. Just tell people about me. And I'll work through you, and they'll come. God wants us to surrender and allow Him to do the work. He wants us to surrender and allow the Holy Spirit to tell people about Christ through you. Would you like to see a God event at Bethel? That's not a rhetorical question. I'm asking you. Amen. Dude, would you like to see a God event at Bethel? Yes or no? Amen. Me too. I can't give you some exact prescription of how God's going to do that. We don't name it and claim it here. But I believe that as our grow outreach season uh, approaches, I'm certain that we can experience a God-sized event if the conditions are right. I know that we can if we'll place Christ in the middle of all that we do. I believe that we can experience a God-sized event if we'll wait on the Father and trust in Him. I believe that we will experience a God-sized event if we persevere in prayer. I believe that we will experience a God-sized event if we all serve, say all serve, if we all serve under the Holy Spirit's guidance. A God-sized event, something me and you can't do. It's something only God can do. Now maybe... You say, you know, I don't need to be worried about the church right now. I don't need to be worried about Bethel right now. I need a God-sized event in my own life first. I can guarantee you that there are people here this morning that need a God-sized event to happen in their own life first. The Bible says that by trusting in Christ alone, Trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can experience a God event 
of your own. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Are you ready to experience a God event? Are you ready for God to do something in your life that you can't have been able to do for years? All you have to do is take that step of faith and say, God, I want to experience you. I want to experience a God event in my life. And I can't do it. So in taking this step of faith, I'm asking you to do it for me. Let us pray. Father, sometimes we're deceived into thinking that we have the power to do something about our own salvation. That we have the ability to do something about whether or not we're going to be with you in heaven. Father, all you tell us to do is take a step of faith and you'll take it the rest of the way. So Father, I pray for that person that's here this morning, that man, that woman, that child. Lord, I pray that if you've been speaking to them about a God-sized event in their own life, Lord, that they wouldn't hesitate a day longer. They would just take the step of faith and say, God, I'm asking you to do it. Lord, this decision time belongs to you. However you choose, I pray you would draw someone to Christ. Draw someone into a relationship with you through him. And Lord, when this song begins, Lord, if there's someone who wants to experience a God-sized event, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, they would just step out and step forward. Lord, allow me to show them what the word of God says about how they can be saved and how about how they can experience this God-sized event in their life. All for your glory and in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all stand and let's sing the nail scarred hands. Have you failed in your plans of your storm tossed life? Place your hand in the nail scarred hand. Are you weary and worn from his toil and strife? Place your hand in the nail scarred hand. Place your hand in the nail scarred hand. Place your hand in the nail scarred hand. He will keep to the end. He's your dearest friend. Place your hand in the nail scarred hand. Are you walking along through the shadows deep? Place your hand in the nail scarred hand. Christ will comfort your heart, put your trust in him, place your hand in the nail-scarred hand, place your hand in the nail-scarred hand, place your hand in the nail-scarred hand, he will keep to the end, he's your dearest friend, place your hand in the nail-scarred Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. 
a few announcements so just reminders really before we go Awana uh, kids ministry is on Wednesday Awana means approved workmen are not ashamed and that means all kids uh, preschool through the 12th grade are welcome here on Wednesday that goes from 515 to 715 it's a it's a wonderful uh, joy to see uh, all the kids worshiping God here on Wednesday night and uh, we love it we've just got a little less than two months left with uh, all the kids uh, in Awana we want to see them all and Sunday nights is cross training uh, I'll bring your kids back. That, those are kids uh, through the sixth grade, uh, kindergarten through the sixth grade. And uh, uh, come back and join us in worship service tonight at 530, and your kids can go to cross training. Uh, also, next, next Sunday is Commitment Sunday for Grow. Be praying about what you want to do. Uh, 